This episode is part of a special series on racism in public health for Ideas for Practice, a podcast of the Region 5 Public Health Training Center. As one of 10 public health training centers across the country, the Region 5 PHTC aims to strengthen the skills of the current and future public health workforce in order to improve population health outcomes. We hope this podcast will share insights and spark ideas amongst those working in public health. In this episode, I will be speaking with professor and founding dean of the Indiana University Richard M. Fairbanks School of Public Health, Dr. Dean Halverson. And we'll begin things the same way we've started the other two episodes in this series, by getting Dean Halverson's perspective on why racism is a public health issue. It's a public health issue because we all suffer, but we don't suffer evenly. In other words, as we look at the public health spectrum, we ask the question, why do people die? And how long do they live? And, you know, when you ask that question, you get a really shocking answer, which is, it really depends on where you live. I mean, your zip code is probably your best indication of how long you live and race and zip code are also sometimes very related. And so this is a big issue for public health because public health is interested and mandated to look not just at individual health, but to look at the health of a community. And in our case, the health of a county or the health of a state. And in Indiana, unfortunately, we rank 41st out of 50 states. Our public health funding is 48th out of 50 states. So we've got a long ways to go and we've got big issues. So today, as we think about health, we have to think about racism as an emergency because we've got people dying and suffering and disease solely on the basis of their racial characteristics. And we've got to narrow that gap. We've got to make sure that everyone has access to health care services. But more importantly, we need to prevent these diseases to start with. And so that's why as public health thinks about its responsibility towards preventing disease and disability, we need to put higher priority on addressing these differences by, by race and ethnicity. Something that you used in your answer there, zip code and race, add to the determinants of your health. The easy follow-up really is the good question here. Why is that? We're still trying to figure that out. But, you know, part of it came as a result of redlining in looking at availability of financing, the emergence of mortgage guidelines and private policies that had substantial impact on where people of color could live based upon lending policies, which now are increasingly referred to as the redlining of particular areas where, you know, financing may or may not have been available. It also has to do with uh, socioeconomic status, right? There are some areas in a community that tend to be lower cost and therefore based upon the socioeconomic status of individuals. And we know that unfortunately, there is a division by race in particular as it relates to some of the socioeconomic characteristics. And that has a lot to do with availability of education, career mobility, a whole host of things that ultimately tie together race and zip code. Now, again, there's nothing inherent about living in a particular area, but unfortunately we do see a consolidation or a concentration of both race and ethnicity and zip code in an association. And, and so that's, that's part of it. 
in your role, are you able to address those disparities, Leia Dorace? Yes, and I, I think that's what's really important. So if we go back to the founding of the Richard M. Fairbanks School of Public Health, Mr. Fairbanks was a philanthropist that established his own foundation. And one of the things that he had a strong interest in was creating a philanthropic effort that would benefit the health and well-being of the community, and particularly in Indianapolis. The Fairbanks School was created in large part in, to respond to a major issue in the state, which is we don't live as long, we suffer from chronic diseases uh, longer and harder, and quality of life is not as good. And so the mandate, if you will, for our school was to focus on not only incredibly you know, top-notch education and research and, and service to the community, but really focusing on preventing disease and improving the health of the public, and especially uh, here in Indianapolis and, and across the state. And so our focus as an educational institution is not only the traditional research, teaching, and service, but that, that service has actually uh, manifested itself into a mandate for public health practice, which is both relevant, accessible, and impactful. And that's actually built into our strategic plan. It's really in our DNA. It's what we're all about. So the, at the end of the day, uh, what we need to be about it as an institution is focusing on making improvements to the health of the state. And so for us, this is a major issue. And, and again, as we look at race as a public health emergency, we actually examine what are the strategies that we might use in particular to try to address working in the in neighborhoods and communities, being able to specifically partner with various neighborhood groups and with various racial and ethnic minority organizations and, and individuals. And so much of our work, in addition to our terrific educational programs, have in common the fact that we do work in the community and that public health at its root is a scientific pursuit of helping protect and improve the health of the public. So can we make a difference? Yes. Um, and do we need to? Yes. Every day we need to be out in the community working with communities in partnership to support the strong neighborhoods and to help them help themselves. And so whether we're working with church organization, a community organization, a community development organization, working with the county health department, for example, or the state health department, or most recently, um, Governor Holcomb created this new governor's public health commission. All of those organizations are focused on day-to-day -day public health, and, and we're very active in all of those venues. That's great. And it somewhat answers and leads to my next question. So I know you mentioned your research and your partnering with community organizations, but what other efforts do you think are necessary to see change? I mentioned earlier that we're 48 out of 50 states in terms of our per capita investment in public health infrastructure. That means that we don't have the systemic capacity at the state or local level to work with communities to the extent that we need to, to be able to prevent disease and focus on health improvement. And that has a direct negative bearing on people of color and various racial and ethnic minorities because they're in greater need. And yet there is generally speaking, not the capacity that there is in other states and in other communities to really focus on these issues. Now, Marion County is a special exception to this rule. And 
And my good friend, Dr. Kane, I think is doing a marvelous job. And the people in Marion County, I think, get it. They recognize the importance of having a strong health department. And I think Dr. Kane leads a very strong uh, local health department that's doing marvelous things to support and improve the health of the public in Marion County. That being said, we still have huge challenges in Marion County, but that's true across the state. And, and as a consequence, I think one of our big responsibilities systemically is to grow our public health infrastructure. We really need to address this long neglected public health system. And it's not just the local health department, it's all of those organizations that work together that should be focused on improving the health of the community. You know, we often talk about the fact that we have this great health care system, and we do. I mean, Indiana's got some terrific hospitals and great doctors. But at the end of the day, we cannot say that the U.S. health system is the best health system in the world. I mean, I'd, we'd like to all believe that, but it's not true. We pay the most money, but we don't really get that much for it. And in fact, out of all of the OECD countries, uh, 39 countries, we're 39th in a number of things. And we're not leading the pact in just about anything, except for the fact that we pay more money than everybody else does. So our healthcare system is expensive. It's not always available. And we've got a public health infrastructure, which is underdeveloped, underfunded, and long ignored. So we need to build public health infrastructure. We need to create an awareness of what public health is. We need to put more money towards it. And we need to be much more purposeful in acknowledging that that public health infrastructure investment is directly linked to our success economically. That's an important first step. We need to understand what public health is, invest in it, and create acknowledged and understood expectations around what public health could do for us. But secondly, you know, we need to be able to recognize the issues that minority populations face. We need to better understand how to speak with and to organizations. It's not about what we do to them. It's about what we do with them. We need to better understand the reality that many of these communities face. And so much of what they face is in large part because of the culture in which we've developed, where uh, unfortunately, there's a huge difference between uh, white populations and black population. And so recognizing that uh, difference and understanding uh, our responsibility collectively to work towards improvements in health status, in availability of health services, of specific public health measures that we need to undertake to support improving the health of racial and ethnic minorities in our communities is really, really important. And so, again, it's working with communities to support their interests and to address their concerns. The good thing and the most important thing is to recognize there is a science around public health. We know what works. We don't have to go out and try a whole bunch of different things and hope that something happens. The United States Preventive Services Task Force has developed data related to clinical services. We also have the Guide to Community Preventive Services, which is an evidence-based book that describes what works in communities and under what conditions and so forth. So there is a science related to public health. And so what we need to do is we need to fund it, we need to implement it, and we need to work with communities to see the benefits. If someone were to walk up to you, 
today and ask what they could do to be actively involved in addressing racism, creating change, what would you tell them? Well, I think it starts with they need to understand what role they play in recognizing what situation that they're in. We all come to the table with certain characteristics, certain racial characteristics, certain advantages and disadvantages, and recognizing that collectively we need to do better. Having that understanding of context, of an, an awareness of who we are as an individual and collectively, and then beginning to think through with our neighbors, with our colleagues, with our friends, with, the, with people that we want to help to recognize that it is about what we collectively want to do and create the political will and get the support to actually do something. We'd like to believe that you push a button and things will be different. It's not quite that simple. There's, it's not a, there's no simplistic answer that you can just turn a switch and things happen. So that being said, individuals can make a difference, first of all, by sort of understanding the role that they can play, the role that perhaps they and their ancestors played in essentially creating the conditions that we find ourselves in. But then secondly, thinking through, so what can I do differently? How can I contribute to improving the environment that we find ourselves in? Contributing towards making things better. And that could be about trying to create awareness about health factors or health education. It could be focused on trying to improve access to health services. It could be working in your church or synagogue or mosque towards trying to find ways collectively to increase the level of awareness of things like vaccines or, or working towards creating greater access. Uh, School-based clinics are great. I mean, there's a whole lot of things that we can all do. And everyone, you know, working together, taken together, we can make a difference. We start with where you're at and, and what you're interested in. And just about everything that we do has some impact on health. There's this concept called health and all policies, which basically says that regardless of what industry in or what, what we're, whatever we're doing in our occupation or in our hobbies, there's a health aspect related to it. Whether it's increasing walkability, whether it's uh, improving access to fresh fruits and vegetables and healthy foods, by you know, having a community garden or focusing on accessibility of clean water and those kinds of things, all of those things make a difference. It's not any one thing. It's taken together that increase the likelihood of success. And it's also beginning to recognize politically that these differences exist and that we need to say that enough is enough. We really have got to recognize that just because we have a, uh, difference in, in race, that should not be the excuse for, uh, you know, substantial differences in, in life expectancy. You know, we've got this uh, latest study that was just completed by uh, Tess Weathers, a faculty in our School of Public Health. She updated the numbers around the differences in life expectancy, about 17 years different in life expectancy in about, uh, you know, 18 miles. And it's gotten worse. It's 23% worse than it was five years ago. So it's not getting better. We need to begin to address the situation and recognize that 
this is intolerable. There should not be that kind of difference. And we need to begin to say, this is not going to wash anymore. We need, we need to change this. We need to have the political will to essentially say, this, is, this has got to stop. We've got to change things. We've got to begin to recognize that it starts with us and we need to begin to say what's acceptable and what's not. And that difference in life expectancy is just completely unacceptable. The fact that people die, you know, three times more likely of having a stroke, for example, just simply based upon race, the prevalence, higher prevalence of, of hypertension or high blood pressure based upon race, all of those things create for us these huge differences, which we know about them, but they should be completely unacceptable to us. And I think it, by creating that awareness, we're able to begin to address the situation by beginning to, to recognize that these differences exist and then begin to work towards eliminating them or at least greatly reducing them. That is all for Dean Halverson. Many thanks to him for taking the time out of his schedule to come join us on this project. We encourage you to check out some great resources in the podcast notes, as well as an evaluation and transcript. This podcast has been brought to you by the HRSA Region 5 Public Health Training Center at the Indiana University Richard M. Fairbanks School of Public Health. And funding for this podcast is provided by the Health Resources and Services Administration. I've been your host, Dave Plow, and I thank you for listening.